it still does happen. Like so, sometimes we'll go look at a house and we'll be like, this is way underpriced because they want a bidding war. Today we're joined with a very special guest. She was born in Toronto and grew up in Melacothan, I believe that's how you say. <laughs> Worked as a registered restorative dental hygienist, but recently changed careers. Loves traveling, reading, working out, crafting, and can't sit long enough for a movie, which I feel like I need to ask you about. <laughs> Please give a warm welcome to Samantha Figrido. <laughs> Did I say it right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, how are you? How's your day going today? It's early. It's going well. I know it's early for a Sunday, but I always like to get up early and start my day. So me too. I actually, I set my alarm for 7.30 and I woke up at 7.29 naturally. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I, I was out late. I was actually in very last night till 9.30 and then I drove home and it's like an hour and a half drive so I got home at like 10.30ish and I'm like oh god it's gonna be a struggle to wake up in the morning oh no <laughs> I didn't drink though but I was just like oh god I'm so tired it's gonna yeah. be brutal but I'm actually it's so funny how the older we get we're like oh we have to be in bed by nine and then to yep. be up at six res before like you'd be able to stay up till like three four a.m and be up for seven and you were Fine. Yeah, I have no idea how I ever survived. <laughs> I, I need to be in bed, physically in bed at eight so that I can make sure I'm asleep by nine. Otherwise, I'm like, oh, God, I'm a half of a person usually. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I have to ask you before I even get into how we know each other, you can't sit long enough for a movie. So do you ever go out to the movies? <laughs> So I did go to, not Amazon, I'm trying to think of, I, I can't even pronounce it properly, the, the blue people. Oh, um, Avatar. Avatar. I'm like, why? I can never think of it. I'm always like, oh, what's it? See, I can't sit long enough. I don't even know the name of the movie. <laughs> so I did sit through it. And that's like a two hour movie or something. Yeah, like um, three hours. I can't sit through that. <laughs> very long. That's probably the, so that was the last movie that I went to at the theater. And in between I would go out and the movie theater here has like, has like a bar. And so I would just go and get a drink and I'd just sit there for a bit. And then I'd go back. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I always like fall asleep or I go and I end up doing something. I'm just like, I can't, I can't. I feel like that's everybody's brains. Like, I feel like I'm always trying to multitask and do like a bajillion things at once. So yeah. I totally get it. When I'm yeah. physically in a movie theater, now I'm noticing like, post-COVID. Pre-COVID, I could sit still. I was fine. Now, like post-COVID, I'm like, oh my God, like I just, I hate being around all of these people that are talking yeah. when I'm trying to watch this movie and then I get yeah. fancy. So I yeah. totally get it. When I'm at home, I can, I can do it, but I 95% of the time fall asleep if you ask my fiance. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. And congratulations, by the way. I know I said it over. <laughs> That's super exciting. Thank you. Yes, I'm very excited. It's, uh, I mean, I say long overdue. We've been together this month for eight years. <laughs> um, but honestly, when I think back, I'm like, 
I just don't think that I would have been ready any other time. So it makes the most sense now, but I like to, you know, give them a hard time sometimes. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> that time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, funny enough, how you and I know each other, which I was <laughs> thinking about this like two days ago. I'm like, how long has it been? But I, if I've been with Steven for eight years, then I've known you for, I think, nine now. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. We're mutually yeah. seeing guys that were friends with each other. So that's how <laughs> we met a long yeah. time ago. It feels oh, like eons ago. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Oh. You were still in college and so was I too, which is crazy. Yeah. We were both in school and just young and fun. <laughs> young, young and fun, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that's literally the best thing that you could say. <laughs> Young, dumb, and fun. <laughs> but you know, now now I feel like I, like I've watched you grow up too. Like we were so young back then too. Like that, oh. I'm 31, so like I would have been, yeah, almost 20. I would have been like 22. I feel like I've watched you grow up. We both have grown up and like transitioned to these completely different people that we were back then too, which is Absolutely. always nice too. <laughs> it's always nice to keep up with people that you met, like when you were in school or yep. even in high school, I, I feel like I've like drifted away from a lot of high school, but people in yep. college, it's really nice when you connect people and then get to see them in like five, 10 years. Cause it's just so different than when you knew them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And you're like, wow, what what kind of person was I back then? Because like, I don't even know that person anymore. Right? <laughs> it's so crazy. Now, yeah. we we mentioned that you used to do registered or sort of dental, but now you've transitioned into a new career, which is what I wanted to talk to you all about today, which yeah. I'm very excited. So you uh, recently, or I mean, you tell me how long it's been, but you transitioned into real estate. So kind of let's get into that. So what made you decide that you wanted to become a real estate agent? So while I was working as um, a restorative hygienist, I was buying homes and flipping them. So I would buy a house oh. and I would live in it, but I'd be like, oh, I want to upgrade this and I want to upgrade this and do this and that. And then I'm like, mm, let's sell it. So then yeah. I would sell it and then I would move somewhere else. And then I would do the same thing over and over again, which it's great, but another agent was getting all of my commission. Cause I pretty much like, I would do everything. I'd be like, okay, this is what I want to sell it for. This is like, ideally what I want to sell it for. Um, and then I would be like, this is the house I want to go look at this, is the house I want to put an offer on. Like I was doing a lot of the work other than doing the paperwork. Okay. Yeah. So then it became like a passion of mine doing this. And finally I'm like, why don't I just not like, why don't I just do it? Like if I love this so much, why don't I do it? Yeah. And like, as much as I did love, or I still, do like I still work like part-time in dental as much as I do love it it's not a passion I would say so I find whenever you find your passion you just gotta go for it so yeah I agree 100% I didn't realize that you were buying and flipping homes like I knew at one point that you had bought a place but I didn't realize that you were constantly flipping them how many houses have you have you flipped oh my goodness in the last four years I want to say I've been in five different homes wow Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good. But because I was living in them, it's exhausting because I'm moving like constantly every year. Like one year, I think I was in two different homes, which it, it, it takes a lot out of you. So now I'm like, you know what, I think I want to stay in this house. <laughs> and I will do that on the side elsewhere. It's yeah. Yeah. 
that makes sense. I feel like every place and like, I didn't realize that you were at different places. So like, I think I just assumed that it was all the same house. Yeah. You are like the epitome of like, if you go on Pinterest and you look at what you want a house to look like and you see what's so aesthetically pleasing, like that's what all of the places I've ever seen you take pictures of. I'm like, oh yeah, that's the dream. Maybe one day. <laughs> Pinterest is literally my interior designer. Like whenever, so right now we're doing our office, like I'm in my dining room right now, but my, like our office, I literally have pictures on Pinterest that somewhat look like the room that yep. we have. And I'm like, okay, I need to get a desk similar to this. I need to get a chair similar to this. And then I just go off of what I see on Pinterest. <laughs> I love that. That's so fun. Yeah. You do a great job. Cause like I've, oh, I've seen yeah. only bits and pieces of the, the posts that you've put up about the houses that you've lived in, but it's always been like, like I said, aesthetically pleasing. It's always really oh, nice and, and decorated so much. So before we get more into you being an agent, I, I really want to talk about, cause I didn't know that you did flipping houses. So like, what were some of the hardest parts about doing that? Maybe other than living in them? Yeah, I would say, um, definitely living in them was one obviously, but then also just like trying to think of what other people would like, because I knew that I wasn't going to, after I did it the first time, I'm like, okay, like this house I'm buying is for an investment. I know I'm not going to be here. So I can't go when I was picking say tile as much as I would love this crazy tile. I'm like, is that really going to attract the buyers that you want or the majority of buyers? Cause sure. There might be one person who's like, Oh, I love that. But the other nine are like, that's too crazy. And to rip it all up and it's a lot of work. So yeah. I feel like you just have to think of what other people want or just have it as like a blank slate. Like a lot of the times I would do like white walls or like a light gray or a light beige. So people can just envision having whatever their style is in it. Opposed to say I had orange walls. People would be like, oh, now I got to go in and paint the whole house because I hate these orange walls. <laughs> yeah. So just more so thinking of what everybody else would want rather than what you want. And were you doing like a lot of like renos, like, you know, redoing bathrooms, bedrooms or any of that as well while you were flipping? Yes. Yeah, so my um, boyfriend, so whenever we met, he had his own place. I had my own place. So I ended up renting out whenever we decided to like amalgamate into one home, we ended up renting out my condo and I moved into his place for a short period amount of time before we bought a new house. So we definitely at his house, like we took it down to the studs, like completely new bathroom redo kitchen was, oh gosh, completely redone. Walls were down. Like it was, it was a disaster. <laughs> Do you have like experience with doing renovations or have you like self-taught like along the way? definitely self-taught YouTube was my best friend and I'm like how do we do this definitely would hire people or he would know people so he would just get them come in and help him if he somewhat knew what he was doing yeah and then yeah like there's a lot of websites now that you can if you want like kitchen cabinets you literally just do some rough measurements and you can design a kitchen online so I did do that for his so yeah Ah, that's nice. See, and I didn't know stuff like that. Like I'm lucky my fiance is like a handyman. So like nice. whenever we get into our first place, I know that he is going to be the one that's demoing everything. And I tell him, <laughs> I'm like, just teach me because like, I don't know that much about doing anything, painting or tearing anything <laughs> apart. I'm like, but I'll be here right beside you. To yeah. help. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll do it. Painting is like the worst for conflict. I find because yeah it's messy you might want it a certain way yeah I feel like John and I used to butt heads a lot whenever we were painting 
So our old place, we literally got a painter because we're like, nope, we're not <laughs> doing this again. Yeah, I'm lucky he's my interior designer, so he'll do everything <laughs> like that. I'll just be like, yeah, okay, sure. I, I agree. Fine. It it's looks fine. good. <laughs> do whatever you want. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's Perfect. awesome. Well, well, I'm really glad that I got to learn that about you because I think that's very cool. And you know, I might kind of bug you and ask you questions sometime. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so how long now, uh, have you been doing real estate and is this, you were kind of saying you're doing uh, dental part-time. So this is your full-time gig. Now you're taking it full on, right? Yes. So I, so I still do my like dental job. I do it like two, two and a half days a week, depending sometimes more, sometimes less. It's, it's hard. Cause I really do like the people that I work with. And they become your family. So now kind of backing away from it. I'm like, oh, but I miss you guys so much. <laughs> but definitely. So real estate, I've been doing it since January. So quite fresh. And I do have like, I already had a deal closed last month. Oh, um, congratulations. And, yeah, thank you. And then now I'm working with a couple buyers. Even yesterday, I met somebody at this brunch event that I was at. And sure enough, she's like, oh, I'm actually getting my condo ready to sell. But we don't have an agent. Like, I think we've been clicking really well. Like what I'm like hundred percent, I'd be your agent. Like why, why wouldn't I? So it's been going really well. And I think eventually I'm going to cut off dental completely as oh. much as I hate saying that just because I've been in it for quite a few years. And again, like I love the people I work with, but yeah, really it's only been what, since the end of January that I've had my license. So. Oh, that's so exciting. So it's yeah. like a fresh new start going into the new yes. year. That's exciting. Yes. But have you been thinking about doing it for like longer? And and I guess you would have had to do all your testing and stuff, right? Yeah. So I started all of my schooling last March. So it's, they do it over the course of two years, but now after COVID, you can do it all online, which is great. So after wow. work on weekends, I was just kind of trying to push through it, just get it done. So I got done less than a year, which was my goal. And then... Yeah. And I've just been powering through after that. There's, a, there's always so much to, to learn with like any new career. So constantly I'm learning. I'm like a sponge right now, just <laughs> all this new information, which is great, but yeah. So what are you doing to, uh, to learn more about the industry? Or I know you said you went to a brunch event yesterday. I don't know if that was for uh, stuff to do with real estate. Are you, are you going and like searching things up or trying to participate in like events? Yeah. So the brunch yesterday was more of like a women's entrepreneurial brunch. So it was very empowering, which is great. It, it just kind of like lights that fire under your butt. Um, so I did that yesterday, but the brokerage that I'm actually with, they do tons of training. So the reason why I went with them is because they're number one for all their training. And I was like, you know what? I definitely want that because I want to work my way up quickly. So yeah. I go to their events quite Frequently, I'm also part of like a mentorship program, which you get an experienced agent and they have all these classes and assignments. And so I go to a class for two hours weekly with that. And she gives us homework pretty much to work through everything. And then it's almost like you're in school where they take it up. So nice. So yeah, I do that as well. And just trying to, like (laughs) I said, I'm a sponge. So any advice or any agents I go to, so I go to other agents, open houses to kind of see what they're doing, what they're saying, how they're acting and interacting with others. And And with you going through the brokerage, like, um, do they help you kind of walk through like your first like sales and stuff like that to kind of give you an idea of how to do it? Or is that something that just from knowledge of uh, going through the course that you've learned? 
course helps, but whenever you get out there, you're kind of just thrown into it. <laughs> so it was a couple weeks after I became registered, I had to put in an offer. I was like, Oh my gosh, what do I do? So I'm like flipping through my notes, trying to figure it out. So at every brokerage, they have kind of someone who overlooks all the paperwork. So I did email him and I said, I think I called him actually. And I said, Hey, listen, like I have a deal coming up. I've only been registered for like two weeks. I, don't know wow. what <laughs> I was like, can you send me an email of all the documents I need to put in an offer? So he did that. And then he's like, if you want, I can review them as well. So I was like, oh, that's, nice. that's amazing. Thank you. So he definitely helped with that. And then I feel like once you do it once, it's much easier going forward. So I jotted down all the paperwork that you had to have. And I almost made like a little folder on the website. You do it. So now anytime I have a buyer, I just click on this one folder and it'll have all the documents. And then it kind and then you kind of go back to school and on how to fill it out and what to put in it. And then also depends on the buyer as well. So Oh, that's so exciting though. At least now you have one in the books. So everyone, like you said, it's going to be a little bit easier and and then Mm. it's going to just be like the norm for you. So that's very, very exciting. So I wanted to ask, do you work with both buyers and sellers or is it one or the other? Uh, Both. So I do buyers and sellers. Like right now I have somebody who is looking to buy, but then, and then once they buy, they're going to sell. Okay. So it really depends. I work with buyers, sellers, and anybody leasing as well. Like a lot of people don't know that whenever you lease a property, you can actually use an agent. So I also do have a lease client right now too. So I do it all. (laughs) So leasing, like renting kind of the same thing, like so leasing properties or is it more like houses? Properties, houses, really anything. Okay. So you're doing it all. (laughs) Yes. I'm right in there. So since, since you only have, uh, the one, the question I want to ask is like, how long do you normally work with buyers when like you go from the first home you see together to when it's actually closed? Is that different kind of person to person or? Yeah. Person to person for sure. Like my first buyer, whenever they saw, I think we went to go look at maybe five or six properties and the house that they ended up buying, they absolutely loved. And they're like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this house. So there's that type of buyer where it's pretty quick. And then they moved in, I think in, I think it was like 30 days or something. So that was pretty quick. And like, I do keep in contact. I always reach out if anybody ever has any questions, like I'm an open book. And then there's others who are like, "Mm, like, I'm just looking right now. If I don't get it, not a big deal. So that can take weeks, months, a year. It depends on how, I don't know how enthusiastic they are on getting this property or a property. Cause if they already have a home and they're like, Oh, we're just looking, not really that. So I had somebody two weeks ago, we went to go look at a house. So this was the first house I ever looked at with him. He's mm-hmm. like, Oh, I need to get this house. I need to get this house, but he didn't get like pre-approved or anything. He just kind of jumped at it. Cause he loved this house. And then he's like, Oh, I have to sell my house. I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, this is completely backwards. I'm like, before you even go look at houses, you should have got a pre-approval to even know if you were approved for this. And then, so he got that done. And then when he saw the amount, the mortgage would be, he's like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. So then now we're taking steps back, but because he looked at something he absolutely loved right off the hop. Yeah. I feel like now he's taken back and it'll probably take him longer to find something again that he likes. So, so so is the first step then getting like pre-approved for a mortgage before you even kind of enter in the ball game of looking at places that what people should be doing? 
Absolutely. Just because say you're looking at million dollar homes, but you're pre-approved say for 700,000, you're going to get your heart broken when you go look at that million dollar home and then have to take two steps back and go into a $700,000 home. So definitely first step is always pre-approved just so you know what you can get. And then as a part of being a real estate agent, because I really don't know that much about real estate agents, which is why I wanted to have you on. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you help with like when you're helping somebody sell their house? Are you helping with staging like uh, their house to kind of make it look presentable? Like I know sometimes people just do like their own photographs. And if you ever see like I see random things come up on Facebook sometimes of people <laughs> selling their house. And I'm like, who took your photos? Like, yeah, like what is happening? Your photos Absolutely. are so blurry and ugly. And then <laughs> second of all, I see garbage in the background and dishes. Like, what are you thinking? Yes. Um, absolutely. I feel like if you have an agent who's allowing you to have dishes and garbage, like, (laughs) because people are going to look at that be like, one, this person doesn't take care of their house. So why the heck am I going to buy this house? Because who knows what's underneath? I mean, what you can just see, right? So absolutely staging. I think staging is very important. I don't think everybody needs them because some people have great style, like great interior design. So you know what, if we can use your own, perfect. But I do think staging is important, especially say they've already bought another property and they're moving. So now they have a big empty house. It's just always important for the new buyers to see kind of how they can live in the home. Like you want them to picture themselves living in it. So I think staging very important. I do help with staging for sure. I actually got a couple new contacts yesterday at that brunch of some stagers. So we're going to have coffee and see who's a perfect fit. Um, no, just because I do want to give my buyers like options on who they want to, to use. Like, Hey, this is the stager. This is what they do. This is the stager. This is what they do. And this is what this person can do. And then they have the option of what they want. So see, and I didn't even know that there's like specific people that actually do the staging. I always thought mm-hmm. it was a real estate agent. And I'm like, how does the person have time to like move all this furniture around <laughs> right. and do things? when my parent, when my parents sold their house. And that's why I asked, uh, their real estate agent, she must've hired somebody to, to set it up, to just make the space look a little bit of a different layout to make it, you know, look bigger too, and give people an idea of how to work with the space. My parents have moved everything around 15,000 times in that house. So, you know, she probably just came and fluffed it up. Um, but I didn't realize that there's actually somebody that specifically does that. So do they, do you know, do they bring like furniture into like rental stuff? Is that yeah so some stagers they will rent it and then other stagers they will have like a warehouse full of furniture so you can be like oh I want a very rustic or boho or whatever type of style you like and they will have specific pieces and either the seller can go and like look at it to see if they want it or they can just be like hey you know what it's all in your hands whatever you think goes goes so that's that's very cool see I'm learning so much (laughs) I feel like I know nothing So when it comes to the area that you're working in for buying, selling, leasing, renting, where, where's that uh, geographically? Like, are you, I don't even actually know where you're living right now. (laughs) So right now I live in Whippy. Okay. Um, Okay. I wondered, cause I saw your brunch thing and I was like, oh my God, this place looks so cute. And I'm like, where is it? And I'm like, Whippy. I'm like, isn't she, I don't know why I thought you were like in, I don't know, like Newmarket or somewhere. Yeah. So that's where our, our, our old house was. It was near okay. New Market. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> so I'm not crazy. <laughs> but yeah, no, we moved to Whippy. So now I live in Whippy. I'm pretty, I, I want to say like primarily like Durham region. 
Okay. But I do have also some clients in Toronto. So Durham is part of the GTA. So I was just say like GTA, I would go probably as far as like Mississauga, maybe Oakville, just because I do have family out there. But yeah, pretty well anywhere. Like one of my clients, their house that they're selling is like Halliburton. So it's like okay. way up there. That's far. That's um, far. So yeah, it, it, Really, and the, the the only reason why some agents pick like just certain areas is because they know very well the pricing or kind of the market in that area. So I I really just do my homework. Like for the obviously a house in Halliburton compared to a house in Toronto, very different market. So you really just have to study the area, talk to other agents if you need to. Again, like I'm with Keller Williams, like the brokerage. So I do work in individually, but you have to be kind of registered under a brokerage. So Keller Williams is the big, one of the biggest in the world. So they have agents everywhere. And on honestly, not to just because I work with them, but they are more than willing to help when you have questions and so that's kind of what I've been doing. So pretty well anywhere. <laughs> so is your registered license then like, are you considered like GTA? Is that, mm-hmm. is that how yeah. it works? Cause somebody was kind of saying something to me. They're like, yeah, like my license is registered to the GTA area. So I can pretty much sell wherever, but then I guess based on where, like you say, like where, you know, and where you're exactly. comfortable with selling yeah. is where you work. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I would say it's GTA. Um, and then in regards to that too, like some brokerages, you can only sell where you're licensed. So okay. say like that a seller in Halliburton, I wouldn't be able to take that on. I'd have to refer them to someone else. Oh, if I was, okay. but then yeah, with color, cause they're so big, I can go wherever really they're pretty open. Like they're worldwide. Like say I had a buyer in Jamaica or then that that's fine. I mean, I personally would refer because I have no idea about any other <laughs> country. I would just refer that one out. But yeah, like we have one of our agents, he lives in Oakville, but right now he's in like Costa Rica for three months and he's working out there. I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> that's really, really cool. I didn't realize that they were worldwide. So that that's yeah. kind of exciting that if you yes. really wanted to, you could sell literally wherever yeah. you want. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, a random question, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, because I just learned this last night while I was out at dinner. There was somebody else that was a real estate agent. Yeah. Um, she just incorporated. So now she works for herself as an employee, but she was explaining to me that when, because she works in independently like that, when she sells something, she actually doesn't make her money until the finalization of a sale, which sometimes can like be months down the road, which I was like, what? That's crazy. I didn't know that. Is that kind of like how you're working as well? Are you, are you uh, individual? Like not through the brokerage? Like, I'm not sure how the brokerage part works. Yeah. So I do work with the brokerage, like I'm registered with the brokerage, but it's the same way. Whereas say I say you were to buy a house and the closing date is June 1st, then Mm -hmm. I wouldn't get paid till June 1st. Okay. But you would, you could be working with them for like months prior to get to that point. Months, years, like it could be, and it's a long, long time coming, but yeah, that's exactly how it is. Wow. That's yeah. That blows my mind. Crazy, I know. (laughs) Because you could go months without, unless you're like, if you're not back-to-back closing, you go months without getting paid essentially. But then obviously once you do get paid, it's, I'm sure it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to be smart with your money because you'll get like a lump sum, right? So you just got to kind of put it where it needs to go and spread it out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Amazing. All right. Now, because I am so new to the market, I actually don't own yet. So I know nothing, literally nothing. So it's perfect to have you on and be able to ask you so many questions. So the number one question that I wanted to ask, because I feel like this has come up a lot over the years is how do you feel? I know you're going into this year, so it's a little bit different, but how do you feel COVID has impacted just how the current market is right now? I think it's, I think it's thrown everything out of proportion. I feel like with COVID, you would think that it would slow down because people were at home not working and it did the complete opposite. Like everybody was selling, everybody was buying, like it was just wild. (laughs) There was like multiple offers. I feel like since COVID, it has slowed down, but I feel like a lot of agents still have that mentality that like, oh, we're going to get multiple offers, which still happens. Um, so during COVID, everybody was listing low. So say they wanted to sell their house for a million dollars. They, they would list it at 700,000, like six, nine, nine and get 30 offers to get over a million dollars. Whereas I feel like sometimes agents are still stuck in that. And even sellers, they're like, well, why don't we do this strategy to get this? But that's not the type of market we're in anymore. Like it still does happen. Like sometimes we'll go look at a house and we'll be like, this is way underpriced because they want a bidding war. And I find what's been happening is say, for an example, a house is listed for $899,000 and then they have an offer date, which is new with COVID. And then after that date, they probably got like, they get so many offers that they're not happy with. They end up bumping up the price to what they actually want. So I feel like in this market, you see that a lot. Like I've probably in the last month, I've probably seen that like five times. Wow. So then now all of a sudden the house didn't sell, but instead of it being listed for 899,000, it's now listed for 975,000. It's like, well, why did this happen? It's like, because they didn't get what they want or they weren't offered what they were expecting. So now they're just putting it out there what they want. So for me to better understand before what was happening, because there's so many bidding wars, is that people were listing it a little bit lower with the expectation that people were going to try to bid higher and higher and higher to get it. Whereas now we're moving into a market where people are are starting to kind of go what they were doing before and go under the listed price. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So that's really interesting. So what did you say? Sorry, is there's like a new offer date? What is that? Yeah. So there, there will be a date that they are holding all offers. So say you and I were interested in one house um, and we're like, okay, we both want to put an offer on in this house. So you wanted to put an offer. I wanted to put an offer. The agent listing that house would say, okay, we're not accepting offers until April 3rd at 6 PM. So April 3rd, you and I or our agents would both go in and put an offer on that date. So they're not reviewing any offers till that date. And the reason why they do that is so they can spike interest and get those bidding wars because now people are holding off their offers until one day. So instead of getting one offer this day, one offer that day, all offers are going this one day. Okay, so they can kind of feed through it and make the decision of what they want. (laughs) So say you put an offer in, then I would get notified that there's one offer. So I'd be like, oh my God, I really want this house. So I'm going to bid an extra $20,000 more than what I was originally doing. And then there could be another buyer that now they get notified. There's two offers in, and they're like, well, I'm going to put more money in. Wow. 
Yes. So that's still happening. There are still offer dates. I want to say not as many as there was definitely not like during COVID it was all offer dates, like everybody. But now I, I want to say it's more balanced. Whereas even if there is an offer date, people are still going under and some people over again, depending on how that house is listed. Yeah. But yeah. So in those situations, who's benefiting only, only the seller, right? Cause the buyer, I mean, if they're going <laughs> higher and higher and higher, like yeah. you want, you want your mortgage and everything, the house price and everything to make sense to you. So if you keep overbidding like it, yeah, then you might put yourself in a hole. Exactly. And that's exactly what was happening during COVID, especially cause the interest rates were so low. Yep. It wasn't, I mean, people were overbidding, they were getting it and it was fine. But then now that the price, like the interest rates are higher, some people can't afford those mortgages anymore. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, like, how, how do you think that that's going to look in the next year because of the interest rate changes? Like, I don't know when the last one that they just did, wasn't it like a, a month ago, they just did. Yeah, a hike? It was last month and they kept the interest rates the same. I think Personally, I think they will start to come down. Like we will start seeing them come down. Maybe there might be another spike or two, but I don't think it'll be anything crazy and they will start to come down for sure. And as, as the interest rates go down, do we think that home prices are going to go up again? Or do we think that it's going to go down and go down? Because I feel like that'll never happen. No, (laughs) I think it's kind of like a teeter totter. Like if the prices are up, the interest rates are usually lower. And then the interest rates are higher, the prices are usually lower. So when do you think is the best time for somebody to buy like should like me for somebody that's like, never, never own? Like, is it one of those things that like, you should wait it out? Or like, Honestly, this is what I even tell like my own buyers. I'm like, I think the perfect time to buy is when you're ready. Like whenever you're ready with the money, you're ready for that commitment. I think anytime's a good time because the housing market's one of those things like, sure, it goes up and down, but it's very stable. Like it'll, you'll always make your money back. Like depending, obviously if you buy when it's really high and then you sell the next year when it's low, you're going to lose money. But say like you and your fiance want to buy a house for long term, like you want to be there five, 10 years, honestly whenever. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, what happens during a home inspection? Because I know nothing about that either. (laughs) (laughs) So with a home inspection, the home buyer would pick a home inspector and usually the agent will have a couple contacts you can, that you worked with and the buyer can be present if they want, they don't have to. So I'm always present whenever there's a home inspection and they test literally everything so they start on the exterior they do walk like walk around they look at the foundation they look at chimneys they look at windows like absolutely everything they test inside they test all the outlets they see if all doors open and close properly they run the water to make sure there's no leaks anywhere so they pretty much check out everything um there's different too. Like if you're, say you're more rural, so it's like you're out in the country and you have a well. So there's different inspectors for that. So you can get like a well inspector. Or if you have a septic, then you can get a septic inspection. So pretty much just testing everything. Just so whenever you're going into a house, you're not blindsided. And and depending on how the findings come back from those home inspections, that can it like, is it possible that that can really like deter somebody away from buying something? Because if they have the potential of having to put in like all the stuff mm-hmm. that that's going to make somebody not want to, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. So yeah, I can definitely make them not want to. The buyer can either back away completely or you can decrease the price. 
Okay. To account for that, for that. Exactly. So say like the chimney was in rough shape and needed to be repaired. It's a $5,000 repair. Then you could take back $5,000 off the purchase price. Okay. And, and do you know anything about the fact, because I kind of heard that during COVID because people were trying to buy so frantically that they were like just not even doing house inspections on some yeah, places. There was no, if they, cause usually, so a, a house inspection is a condition on buying a property mm-hmm. and people were going in no condition. So they, they weren't even like knowing hundred percent they were approved for financing. Wow. And they were just going in and then you would move in and be like, well, this doesn't work or there's a, like an infestation and yeah, no idea. Wow. I think that's crazy to me that yeah. people would ever, ever, ever do that. Mm-hmm. Like that. I just don't know why anyone would want to go into a house, not knowing what you're getting into, because terrifying. especially if you're overbidding too, right. And doing a bedding war. It's terrifying. Now let's talk about rentals for a second. So I don't know what the rental market is like now, but I've been in my condo now for about a year when we were coming and looking at condos in general. So at about May last year, there was actually bidding wars for rentals, which is beyond me. Like I'm renting a place like (laughs) crazy. Yeah. I I shouldn't have to overbid and try to pay more for what somebody is, is offering. Is that still happening? Are you still seeing that trend? Not, no, not as much. Um, Again, if somebody is trying to initiate that they can price it really low, Yep. but I mean, they do run the risk of not having multiple people putting bids in. So then again, they can either raise it to what it would be like, like a realistic price, or they can just take what they've been offered, (laughs) or what I guess what they're putting out there. So yeah, you don't see it as much as you did. But I'm sure there's still somebody out there that's stuck in that COVID way. That's like, hey, listen, if we price this really low, we're gonna have 10 people come in here. And it's like, just get over that. Yeah, it was it was insane when we were looking like we were in Woodbridge for three years. And while we were in Woodbridge, like we didn't have to do anything like that. We didn't have to do a bidding war when we moved there. So then to kind of go into that mentality, you're like looking at place to place to place. I think one day we saw like five places in one day. And like, we're asking, because if there's places that we liked, we're asking questions and, and seeing them, they're like, oh yeah, they already have three offers. And we're like, Oh, okay. Like, I mean, can we put our name on the list of, you know, that we're interested and they're like, Oh yeah. Okay. But you have to bid higher. And I'm like, what? Yeah. It's it's for a rental. That doesn't make sense. Crazy. crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And, and do you, do you know why, like, you know, any renters would even want to do that just to drive a, a higher price or. That's exactly it. Just to get as much out of people as they can as awful as that is but just so if there's because I mean at that point there were a lot of people looking to rent so if there were more people looking to rent than there were properties and that's what usually happens with these bidding wars is that there's less inventory so more people looking so then that's yeah that's what happens and yeah just to get more money because they can I guess (laughs) And correct me if I'm wrong, did they this year bump up the amount that landlords can increase uh, for rent? Did it go up to like 7%? Oh, I'd have to get back to you on that one. I'm not 100% sure. 
I swear I don't, I could be wrong. I thought that I, I heard something that like now renter or landlords can like bump up the price. Like after you've been with them for so long, they can increase the, the rent by like, I thought it was 7%. I could be wrong though. Interesting. Yeah, no, I'm not too sure about that one. You're not doing as many rentals, more, more leases and, and selling of houses. Yes. Yeah. Like right now, I think I have one client that I'm looking for a property, like for rent for him. But in regards to like the landlord being able to increase, I have no idea. So when, when you do get the opportunity to work with somebody that's renting, how is that process? Like how, how different does that process look from like when actually selling a house? Because you're not, you're not having to, you know, get involved in selling and uh, repurchasing. So what do the steps kind of look like if somebody wants to reach out to you to look for a rental? Yeah. So it's super easy. They just say, Hey, listen, I'm looking for a rental in say Woodbridge area. So I always ask them like, what's your criteria, bedrooms, bathrooms, kind of what are you looking for? A basement, a house, a condo. And then I always give everybody the option. Like, do you want me to send you properties Or do you want to send me properties? Because I remember before I used to get so annoyed getting bombarded with all these emails of properties that don't even match my criteria. And it's like, why is this being sent to me? Whereas I was the type of person to be like, this is what I want to go see. This is what I'm interested in. And there's people like that out there, right? So I always give the option to like, what do you want? And say you were like, oh no, like I will send you what I'm interested in. Perfect. So you can send me, say you send me five houses then I would book showings at those five houses and then you and I would go and take a look and then go from there. And if you were interested, then there was just paperwork to fill out. We s- submit that you were interested and. And then it. do you normally work with like the landlords directly or unless they have an agent themselves? Yeah. So I, so I would work with the landlord directly. And then now I find a lot of them do have agents as well, which I feel like wasn't as common before. So yeah, and then you work with the agent or the landlord. And then that way, any com- communication would go through me to them. Okay, that makes it easier. Yeah. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, now let's go back to homes. Now, if somebody is looking to find a real estate agent, what what are steps that people should do? How do you kind of find the best person for you? Like if I wanted to look for a real estate agent now, I literally have no idea where I would even start. (laughs) Me personally, I always like, I'm huge for referrals, like going to someone that you know, that just bought or a friend or a family, because they're going to be honest with you. Because if you go on Google, like some agents will pay a lot of money to be number one on Google. And it's like, Just because that agent paid $1,000 to be number one on Google, it doesn't mean they're the best for you. So I think it really just depends on the type of person you are. So say like your best friend or your brother, your sister, your family member, just use someone. I always find referrals go a long way because then they're going to give you their honest opinion on that person. You're not going on off of like um, Google reviews, which I mean, a lot of people like you ask for those, right? So Unless, I mean, there are some out there that are very, very honest, which is great, but sometimes you can pay for, I don't know, not publicity, but for that exposure. So it's hard, but I, I'm a huge fan of referrals. Now, if we are somebody that wants to buy a house, when there's multiple offers on a house, other than maybe offering more money, how does, how does somebody stand out in a seller's market? So as bad as this is, it's the no conditions. And that is, that is definitely, that's how you stand out. (laughs) 
<laughs> so by just like foregoing some of those things or all of those things, <laughs> pretty well, all of those things. So whenever it's a really big, hot seller's market, whenever you get an offer, that's like conditional on selling my house, conditional on financing, which is getting approval from the bank, conditional on a home inspection. And then, so say even that offer was $5,000 more, but then there's another offer that's like, Hey, no conditions. This is my offer. The seller is more likely to go for that because it's a for sure deal. Whereas whenever it's conditional on a home inspection, for an example, and they find something they don't like, they can back away from it. And then here you are now relisting your house and getting all these people back in. And then when it comes to doing the no conditions, <laughs> is that the best option for, for somebody that I guess, I guess it depends on the person. Cause I just think that's crazy to just say no conditions. I know it's <laughs> kind of it depends because some people will see that and they'll be like, I'm in. So one of my clients right now, we just put an offer on this property that had a couple offers. And this was literally what last weekend I think it was. And sure enough, the other agent was telling me like, Hey, there's two offers on the property. Like, do you want to revise your offer? And my buyers were very like, no, like we're not getting into this bidding war. Like we're not waiving this because they have a house to sell. So who knows how long it's going to take for them. And they don't want to carry two mortgages. Right. So it depends on the person. Like some people are like, oh yeah, like I want this. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it. And other people are like, no, I'm going to back away and we'll look for something else. What happens if you're, if you're one of those people that you can only buy this house based on if you sell your house, what happens if you, you can't sell your house? Does that offer just go out the window? Yeah. So whenever you put that condition into the offer, you say this offer is conditional on me selling my house. And then you can also put a date. So you could put, if it doesn't sell by July 1st, then this offer is null and void. So it no longer goes forward. So that's, yeah, that's, that's crazy to me too. I have a girlfriend that like, I was reading the stuff that she was posting on social media that she was in one of those situations where it was, she was buying a house based on the condition of selling her house. She was supposed to sell her house by like, I don't know, a specific date. And then the evening of the the day before they pulled out the people that were buying her house. So everything fell apart. And she's like, my whole house was packed up and in a moving truck already because it was the day before, right? I mean, at that point, she already had somebody that said that they were closing, that they were ready to go. And then last minute they, they pulled out then when she kind of posted a little bit more, I guess the people that were trying to buy her house were having some money issues. I don't think that they, and this was during COVID. I don't think that they were able to get as much of a mortgage that they were expecting. So they kept Mm -hmm. like extending how long they had. And then finally they had a date in place and then she thought everything was good and they pulled out and she lost the house that they were supposed to close on and had to move all of her stuff back in. And now she's a real estate agent. And I feel like maybe it's because (laughs) of that, (laughs) that she is like, I'm not dealing with this. Like, yeah, no. (laughs) And then decided to become a real estate agent. I was like, oh, wow, that's a crazy turn of events. (laughs) That's funny. Oh my God. Yeah. It's really unfortunate when something like that happens for sure. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. So just a couple more questions here. 
what do or what what things should first time home uh, owners expect or home buyers, sorry, expect in the next year in terms of prices? Like you were kind of saying that you think that the prices may go up and interest rates go low. Do you have a ballpark of like where you think that homes may be starting at going into this next year? It depends. It depends. Like I feel like going into it. So the summertime things always get hotter like it's a summer market more people are out there they want to buy a house before the fall before their kids start school or whatever it may be so I think maybe after like I I want to say in the summertime I think things will get busier for sure I want to say probably fall is when things will kind of slow down that's usually what happens fall winter is more of like a slower period and then spring and summer things pick up again it all depends again on those interest rates because Yeah. I mean, if they stay the way they are, things are pretty level right now. Like it's not, prices are still at a good, at a good rate, I guess. They're still higher than definitely what they were before. But I mean, I don't think we'll ever see prices what they were before because that's just the life we live in. Like everything just gets more expensive and cost of living and houses and we make more money and that's just the way it is. But definitely I want to say fall and winter is when things will slow down for sure. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. I, I think it's crazy when I like look online because I, I have looked online quite a few times. There is literal closets that are going for like a million. I'm like, pardon? Like this yeah, does not make sense. It's, but it's so crazy. I, I don't understand. So how like, and, and maybe you know this answer, maybe you don't, but how do people get away with like having such small spaces and being able to sell it for that price? Is it just because the market's so hot, people just want to buy so badly that they're able to, to kind of jump those prices. Definitely. And I also think it's like, it's, it's, it depends on location, right? Like yeah. if you're in, in, in Toronto, right? Like Toronto's very hot. Like you will see a, a shed going for like a <laughs> yeah. million dollars and you're like, what the heck? But a lot of buyers too are investors, right? So you'll, you'll get an investor that's like, oh, this property is a million dollars. They're not even looking at the house. They're like this house, we're going to demo it and they're going to build something else and then they're going to sell it. And then that's also what happens. But Toronto is always like a hot, like you will literally get a shed for a million dollars. Like that's- I I swear there was like, I think at one point during COVID, there was like this post about this, I don't even know, like tiny, 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 tiniest place I've ever seen. Like, I think it maybe didn't even have a full bedroom and it was going for like 1.5 and it was crazy. It was like one of those like narcity posts or something where people were just going wild on like, how is this even happening? There's somewhere, someone out there that I'm assuming that probably bought it. Absolutely. Like there will be like this city all always like Toronto will always, always be hot, no matter how small, like even now when they're building condos and stuff, they're not very big, but it's just, if you want to live in the city, that's kind of what you're like trading off, I guess. Like, I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but it's just, that's just where it's the most expensive. (laughs) Do you think too, sometimes like maybe if we're not talking Toronto or other places that things are priced at a specific point, not because of the house itself, but the property, like the land or like, you know, what the, what the land or property has a potential of being like when people can demo places and then rebuild sort of thing. Absolutely. Like if it's a big lot, you could get someone who say it's like 
$600,000 to throw out a price out there. Sometimes whenever you get that price, people aren't even looking at the house. They're like, I don't even care what the house looks like. We like this size of land. We want to put an expansion or we want to build a workshop in the back, or that's what some people are looking for. Right. So some people will go out there looking just for a house. They want a house specific, everything interior, whereas other people are just like, no, I want this big property. So if this property is worth a million dollars and the house is like a little shed, they don't even care about that. Yeah. So prices will, it's, it depends on the, the land too. That's what will drive up the price or drive down the price for sure. So crazy. <laughs> now, one last question that I want to ask you is because I don't know too much about the stress test between the stress test and like prices and current interest rates. Do you find that it, it can potentially be harder for first home buyers to get into the market? And, and what does the stress test entail if, if you know information about that? Yeah, absolutely. It does make it harder for home buyers for sure. And, and it all, it, it all goes by the amount of debt you have. And in regards to debt, like student loans, cars, personal loans, credit cards are iffy. Like, don't get me wrong. If you have like $30,000 in credit card debt, that definitely will pay apart. But they do, and don't quote me on this, but I think it's 40% is the what they kind of look at like when it comes to your income. So they put in a ratio, like the amount of money you bring in yeah. and the amount of debt you have. And if it exceeds a certain amount, like a certain number, then you're not approved for it or you're not approved for the amount you want. So usually when you go in and you're like, I'm hoping to buy a house for $500,000, that's the number they'll use when they use the, the stress test. Okay. So yeah, so it's definitely the amount of debt you have. And I mean, everyone's always like, oh, but student loans are good debt. Yes, but that's still a monthly payment. So it goes off your monthly payments. And that's how they're determining like what you can be qualified for. And are there different types of mortgages that you can get? Like, is there just like, when you're going and trying to look at that, are there different levels of mortgages? Like if, if you're somebody that has a lot of debt, are you able yeah. to get a different style of mortgage? So there's different lenders. So there, there's like a lender, B lenders. So usually say you have a lot of debt or say you're a business owner. So you, you don't show that income regularly, then usually like the a lenders, which you typically, which typically are like banks or mortgage brokers, they'll be like, no, you know what? This is too high of a risk for us. We're not going to approve you for anything. So you go to someone, it's a, called a B lender. So it's like a smaller company that lends out money. But the thing is, when you go to different lenders, the mortgage rates are higher because it's a higher risk. Okay. Because somebody can be super successful and they have this massive business, but they don't show that their income is very high. So banks usually like to play it safe and they're like, I'm not getting involved with this. So then say the rates at a bank are 4%, you can go to this B lender who's willing to take you on, but it's a higher risk for them. Now it might be 6% or 7%. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Well, that's all the questions that I had, but before we get into our this or that game, I just want to close it out to ask you, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about today? No, I think, I think you asked pretty well everything. I think that's good. <laughs> okay, good. I always have to ask that because sometimes, you know, there's maybe like questions that are brewing in people's heads and they're like, why did she ask that? No. <laughs> Okay. Well, amazing. So then we'll close it out with our this or that game, which I try to do like home edition a little bit. So <laughs> okay. I'll start firing them off home sauna or home gym. 
Oh, home gym. Um, lake view or pool view? Let's see lake view. <laughs> That's a hard one. <laughs> Industrial or chic? Chic. Uh, carpet or hardwood? Hardwood, 100%. Carpet's the worst. <laughs> a farmhouse or townhouse? Farmhouse. Condo or suburb? Suburb. Light cabinets or dark cabinets? Light. Shower or tub? Oh, tub. <laughs> really? Oh, that's I love my tubs. I love my tubs. <laughs> Are you like, you got to have to have like a separate tub or do you like the combos, like the old school? I mean, if there's a separate tub, great. They're beautiful, but I'm good with whatever. Like I'm a huge tub person. My partner, he, he's both, he does like tubs, but he's really big. So he needs to fit in a certain size tub. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's probably hard to find. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, neutral or bold colors? Neutral. Hot tub or pool? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to say hot tub just because in Canada, you'd use a hot tub more than a pool. <laughs> A hundred percent. Granite or marble counters? Marble. Flower garden or vegetable garden? Flowers. Glass door or solid door? Hmm. Let's do glass. Traditional or modern exterior? Modern. I love modern too. Like I love like me and my fiance, every time we look at houses, we look at like this square, like crazy stuff that like you never see here. The stuff you see more in like California. Yeah. <laughs> love that. Um, and then the last one is wooden windows or floor to ceiling windows. Ooh, floor to ceiling windows. Yeah. We got lucky in the condo that we're at. We have floor to ceiling and it's like the best um, thing I've ever experienced. It's a beautiful. small one bedroom, but it makes it feel so much bigger. Yeah. So nice. So nice. <laughs> It is so nice. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for coming on. I really yeah, appreciate it. I feel me. like I've learned a lot and I hope that my listeners as well get to learn. Um, but before we say goodbye, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram, selling with Sam. So selling w.sam. Do that. Going through there, you can definitely message me. I will give you my number, email. My email is, oh gosh, my last name's in there. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe Instagram's the best thing. <laughs> my last name. It's, vowels. it's your it's your first name and then your last name I can plug it in for the episode okay so it's s and then my last name figurito at kw.com amazing well thank you so much again and I hope you have a wonderful day awesome. bye bye so much <laughs> the best investments in life are yourself and real estate Beautiful.